the future. There are no people. There are no people in the future. No people at all. There are no people in the future. Where did all my people go? There are no people in the future. Let me try my people call. Everybody, welcome, welcome. It is Friday, December 3rd, 2021. Yes, we are in December. Welcome to Raging Chickens Out the Coot Podcast. Yes, it's our Friday's Politics Roundup, everybody. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Each week, I talk to the one, the only, Sean Kitchen, about the good, the bad, and the ugly in state and national politics. You can support this show by becoming a patron for as little as five bucks a month. Simply head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress to become a patron today. You can also help out the show by heading on over to our YouTube channel if you're not there already. Smash that subscribe button, like the stream for this show, and hit that notification bell so you know every time we go live. On today's show, the Supreme Court's right-wing majority seems prepared to deal the death blow to Roe v. Wade sending women's autonomy and equality back generations. Rebecca Traister's article in New York Mag, The Betrayal of Roe, should be at the top of your reading list as we prepare for a protracted fight. And the Omicron, Omicron transform, variant of the COVID-19 virus has now been confirmed in five U.S. states, California, Colorado, Minnesota, New York, and Hawaii. Strap in, folks. Winter is coming. No government shutdown after the conservatives caved last night. There you go. I know everyone's been following that, right? <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> and I was so glad to see that Daily Beast got it right, that Steve Bannon's January 6th legal strategy is just a blowing up the whole system, right? I've been, I've been I, well, I'll get into this in the show, but it's just been driving me crazy in some of the coverage of Steve Bannon. I'm like, you just don't know his game, do you? Anyways, Honduras elected its first female president, Chiomara Castro from the leftist Liberty and Refoundation Party. Her husband, Manuel Zelaya, was president from 2006 to 2009, was ousted by a military coup. And the kind of right wing had been in power until this past election. So congrats. And Barbados boots the queen and becomes a republic. Yes, even uh, Rihanna. Rihanna is also from Barbados, and she was kind of honored as a national hero at that. And uh, Prince Charles gave a very kind of cringeworthy speech about the dark days of the British Empire when, you know, slaves. <laughs> you know, it was a little weird, a little weird, a little uncomfortable. Anyways, and speaking of getting booted, Chris Cuomo also got the boot from CNN this week. Uh, technically got the full boot, but he got a good swift kick in the ass after it was revealed that he worked with his brother, the former and disgraced New York Governor Andrew Cuomo, on a communications strategy following multiple allegations of sexual misconduct on part of the former governor. Like he was actually working his media contacts and things like this. Pretty crazy. Well, a little closer to home here today. Well, we're not in Kansas anymore. Nope, just Pennsylvania. Yes, daytime TV host Dr. Oz has officially announced his campaign for the U.S. Senate. You heard it first. We gave you the warning. We said it was coming. The New Jersey resident is looking to run as a Republican for Pennsylvania's open Senate seat if he can find his Pennsylvania House. 
And Dave McCormick, president of the venture capitalist firm Bridgewater, is also getting to run for Pennsylvania or getting in to run for Pennsylvania's U.S. Senate. Expect McCormick to become the front runner given his connections to the Trump infrastructure. Um, and especially after, I don't know if anybody's seen the uh, Oz media appearances this week, so it looks like <laughs> like Dr. Oz is going to be like, you know, the flame that burns out fast, I think. But we shall see. And Central Buck School District is back in the New York Times, following their two-part podcast on the explosive school board meetings about mask requirements and critical race theory. In the latest article, we get to see the real crises hitting the district regarding inadequate staffing, overcrowded classrooms, and declining resources, even in this fairly well-off Bucks County School District. And the PA1, right here in Bucks County, Republican Representative Brian Fitzpatrick is getting primary from his right. Not from one, but two candidates. That's right. Last week, Percocy resident, Percocy, like where the, apparently the demon rift has opened up somewhere in town. We got to freaking seal that shit up. Anyways, last week, Percocy resident and America First Party guy, Bradley Lanning, announced his challenge to Fitzpatrick. And just yesterday, Trumpista Carolyn, uh, Caroline Avery of Bristol Township, or Bristol, uh, threw in her hat to the ring because she said that Fitzpatrick, quote, Ignores the Trump agenda, ignores the Constitution, votes with the anti-American Democrat members, and basically doesn't represent anybody or anything but himself in Congress. She uh, raises horses, by the way. Uh, it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, and today's last call, I don't know, some fun stuff to throw in. Could mushroom leather be in your future? Could be, according to a new article in The Guardian. And I've been diving into the Wheel of Time and the new season of Star Trek Discovery. Uh, I'll give you a kind of a little quick reads on that. Uh, no spoilers. No spoilers, I promise. Um, and in just a couple weeks, uh, when I get some time, when my semester finishes, I'm going to be jumping into the Foundation on Apple+. Plus. Um, Foundation is like, uh, which I didn't know, thanks to one of our listeners, Chris, uh, for letting me know that the series is actually based on Isaac Asimov's classic Foundation series, which I, I can't believe I didn't make the connection at the time. Um, now I'm doubly interested. We're going to check that out kind of coming up. So uh, we'll see what else Sean is up to for the weekend. And for more PA-based progressive talk, tune in to Rick Smith Show's live stream at 9 p.m. Eastern on his YouTube channel, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you get your streams. Subscribe to his podcast wherever you get your podcast. Look, you just got to head over to ricksmithshow.com for all the latest across all his platforms because, frankly, I can't keep up with it enough to make sure that, you know, I'm covering it all. I mean, he's like... W uh, or, or KPFK in Los Angeles, WBAI in New York, just got picked up in, in Minnesota, just got picked up also in uh, Chicago. He just had his first show in Chicago this past week, freaking tearing it up. Um, so get on over there, ricksmithshow.com, for all the ladies across all those platforms. And if you haven't already, you got to check out the Sisters of the Night Caucus podcast. You can find it on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts. The amazing PA women stirring the political cauldron behind this podcast rock the house. And they know where their bodies are buried. And make sure to follow them on Twitter at, at the Night Caucus. That's at the Night Caucus on Twitter. And by the way, if you are not following Shanna Danielson um, on Twitter or Instagram, whatever it is, uh, it's about time because you got to get in the Christmas spirit because... Uh, She's playing all her Christmas carols and her duets, right, uh, on her flute. And I saw her on a ukulele here. Uh, get the spirit and uh, head on over and follow Shanna Danielson. Oh, yes. And attention gamers, the Game In is a Quaker Town-based, black family-owned gaming store. And look, the holidays are right around the corner. People are gift buying. If you want to kind of put your money kind of where it matters, check out the Game In. That's with two ends. The Game In is um, in Quaker Town. 
Uh, they're friends of the show, and they've got everything from retro N64s, the latest consoles, video games for all platforms, collectibles, action figures, Funko Pops. And look, kids get a discount for every A on the report card. Check them out on their Facebook page at The Game In. Follow them on Twitter at, at The Game In, with, again, with two N's. And if you've got, you know, looking for something that's hard to find, looking for something, uh, especially if you're into the retro stuff, definitely check them out. Shoot them an email at thegameinpa at gmail.com. Special shout-out goes to Jonathan Mann, of course, who wrote our intro song, There Are No People in the Future. Check out all his great stuff on his YouTube page and follow him on Twitter at at Song of Day Man. That's with two N's, at Song of Day Man on Twitter. Uh, and for this coming Monday on Out to Coop Live, um, I've got a couple, couple irons in the fire. We're kind of dealing with some scheduling stuff, so follow us on our socials to let us know what's coming up on this Monday. Um, uh, it'll be one of three things. That's all I can, That's all I want to say right now. I don't want to spoil anything, but uh, um, hopefully that um, some scheduling is going to work out for that. Um, if not, the default will be that we'll do an open phones, but um, I think that we'll be able to have someone that's going on. But in two weeks, on uh, December 13th, I'm going to welcome teacher and writer uh, Dina Lagerman to the show. Uh, we'll be talking about her recent article, Central Bucks is Not Okay, about the recent New York Times podcast featuring the Central Bucks school board fights, right-wing funder Paul Martino, and her experiences as a candidate running for the Central Bucks school board. Do not miss this one. Uh, Lagerman, she ran for uh, for school board office. Um, some of her experiences of what she had to deal with uh, with the goons put on by uh, Paul Martino and company is absolutely critical, and she's freaking awesome. So I can't wait to have her on the show on December 13th. That's a Monday at 7 p.m. I want to remind you, look, if we want to progress the future. Oh, I got to give a shout out. I got to give a shout out today. Thank you to Chuck. Chuck became a patron this week. Um, thank you, Chuck, for becoming a patron this week. And because Chuck knows what everybody out there should know. Because if we want to progress the future, we need progressive media. Support Pull No Punches, homegrown progressive media today. Become a patron of Raging Chicken for as little as five bucks a month. Just head on over to patreon.com slash rcpress. We're here for the fight and we need you. Become a patron for the price of a good beer once a month. Help keep the media in the movement, the movement in the media. Become a patron for as little as five bucks a month by heading on over to patreon.com slash rcpress today. Well, Sean, uh, man, it's great to see you. Uh, it's, uh, did you have a good Thanksgiving? Yes, it did. How was yours? It was great. It was probably the best Thanksgiving I've had in ages, um, in part because my, my wife had off. Right. My kids had up. My kids got along. We had a whole we just like just had a really nice time. It was a great Thanksgiving day. Um, my, unfortunately, my 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 brother and sister-in-law, my niece um, weren't there for Thanksgiving Day, but uh, it was still it was it was it was wonderful. It was just a great, great um, time. We actually got to play D&D uh, &D one day uh, was happening, <laughs> which is that was like, made it all the best to cap off the week. So. Yeah, it was good. Did you, did you have a big Thanksgiving feast or uh, how'd it go? Ours was pretty good. Um, we went to my brother's house in Roxborough. Mm. Uh, he lives like right next to like Chubby's and Dallas Andrews in that area, if you know like where Ridge Ave's at. Um, he, um, yeah, no, we, we had we had uh, we had we had it there with uh, my sister-in-law's family. So uh, I we had two separate tables. I was at the kids' table with everyone else. <laughs> um, no, it was me, my sister. Uh, Were they little chairs too? Did you have to sit like? Wait <laughs> it was a small table. It was folding chairs and stuff like that. Um, no, it was me, my sister, uh, and then uh, my sister-in-law's sister and her boyfriend, and then the two kids. So. Yeah. How the kids? 
pretty good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, very hyper. My 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 the uh, my nephew is two now, and he's wow. just running around the house like constantly. Yeah. So. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. So he. Yeah. So it was it was fun. It was a nice time. Good. Awesome. Good to hear it. Um, well, look, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, this week, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I actually listened to the uh, Supreme Court arguments on Wednesday um, as uh, you know, I have it's like my office hours day on campus um, and we do I'm doing you really my- like being down. Yeah, I have this thing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm reminded of, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I remember. I have this, you know, Seth, right? My friend, Seth Kahn down at Westchester yeah. is like, um, you know, he and I had this conversation once. He's like, I've always had this. Um, I've, I don't know. I don't know what to call it, but I've always at these particular moments, kind of historical moments, right. That I've seen, I, I, I feel like I want to experience it like live and in person, like as it's happening. Um, and, 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 you know, there's no, I mean, it's not like I, I can affect anything or anything like this, but there's something about that. It's always been part of it. And I remember when we had the strike vote, um, the statewide strike vote um, to when the strike date was going to be and the authorization was going to be uh, for with ABSCUF. They had a, like an emergency meeting out in state college for uh, the for that strike vote. And um, I, I drove there for it. I mean, literally I drove to state college and the meeting took about like like, I don't know, less than an hour. Right. I brought my son with me. Right. With his little dragon castle and everything like this. And and I remember other people said, like, I didn't you know, I don't feel I needed to go there. Right. And whatever. I'm like, but I really wanted to be there. Right. It was really it was really important to me. And I think that this those arguments on Wednesday, too, as well, I, I it's almost like I wanted to hear the arguments before I started hearing all the spin that was coming out in the media, because I, and I, I have to say, I a lot of the media was was pretty dead on in their um assessment of it it was pretty freaking brutal yeah i mean uh, it's we're yeah i mean like we're gonna be heading towards uh a country where we don't have access to roe v wade access to abortion anymore right like it i mean that's just that's appalling like you know what i mean yep it's it's appalling to even think about it in my opinion um but I mean, it's something that this is an issue Democrats have dragged their feet on, yeah, for decades. Yep. Because you know, for the longest time, you had a large pro-life wing of the party, i.e., Bob Casey and stuff like that, where like even when they, there's times that they've had power, they've never took it as a serious issue. And I mean, you're seeing it now, like Senate Democrats tweeted something. You saw that tweet that, that was put out there by like one of the campaign committees or something, yeah. or like a Senate or a Democratic account where like, hey, protect, we need to, we need to protect abortion rights. And people were like, fucking do something. Right. <clears throat> I mean, like, like, you know what I mean? Right. No, exactly. And I think that, you know, R- Rebecca Traster, and I mentioned here, like, I, I literally was, I kept on like, heading on over to her uh her twitter feed and stuff as because i just i i i think i've absolutely loved her take on all this for a long time i mean she has been she has been basically like shouting at the top of her lungs for as long as i can kind of remember that like democrats need to actually fight on this issue 
right? Um, and not just kind of like say the right thing. And so, like, I don't normally, I don't normally want to do this on the show, but I, I want to read just a couple pieces from um, Traster's piece. I mean, she's got this piece in the uh, um, uh, New York Mag called "The Betrayal of Roe." And um, she basically starts off saying, like, look, you know, I know that there's going to be a lot of finger pointing of blaming that wanted to say and look at w- who was responsible, which individual, which organization, whatever like this, and finger pointing. But she's basically saying, like, look, that might f- kind of service in the kind of short run, but we need a deeper kind of analysis. And this is kind of what she says. Um, she says um, that impulse to blame just in what looking for an individual is short-sighted and self-serving and that it allows us to evade the far more suffocating and incriminating reality that we got to this terrifying place, not just by some wrong term made recently by one wrong person we don't like, but by decades long systemic failures. The biggest and most damning of these is the failure to counter a regressive movements project to ensure minority, minority rule and thus dismantle the rights and protections won by activists who labored over generations to gain them, abortion rights being very much included. That failure in turn reflects a deeper one, an unwillingness to take the full humanity of women, of pregnant people, of black and brown and poor people seriously. The overturn of Roe will not be about one failed electoral campaign or a badly timed Supreme Court death or failure to retire, though those, as with any historical cataclysm, its timing and shape will have been determined by those factors, sure. But Roe, like the Voting Rights Act that was gutted in 2013, and the labor and climate and anti-corporate and gay rights protections that have been and will continue to be rolled back, would not have been made would not have been made vulnerable to these quirks of timing and personality had it ever had the kind of institutional, ideological, intellectual, and emotional muscle behind it that it deserves. Its loss will reflect years of inattention from those entrusted with its guardianship. By definition, the people nearest to the top of the power structures, people who advertise themselves as invested in the rights and protections of people closer to the bottom, yet who have repeatedly failed to prioritize the people's dignity and well-being. And we even really see, and she goes on, but then she's this last thing I'll, I'll read from this. It says, the Democratic Party, including its presidents over the decades, has not taken seriously enough the threat to abortion rights. It's not that these politicians didn't officially support the correct thing. Barack Obama opposed the Hyde Amendment, but also described the tradition in the, the tradition in this town historically of not financing abortion as part of government funded health care, unquote. And again, this is not about Barack Obama any more than it is about Hillary Clinton, who offered one of the most powerful public explications of abortion as public health of any Democrat during her debate against Donald Trump, and who also has said and has devised the regressive, quote, safe, legal, and rare framework of the 1990s that cast abortion as a regrettable, necessary evil, not a cornerstone of comprehensive health care. Or about Bernie Sanders, who has remained a staunch opponent of the Hyde or any other um, abortion <coughs> restriction throughout his career, and has argued that voters um, could get past their differences on gun and abortion and find common economic ground, as if abortion is not itself an economic issue. And she goes on, and in the rest of that article, which I'll put a link for it in the show notes, is a really systemic and deep critique of the, the unwillingness to actually campaign on Roe. And saying like basically this myth that came out of the right wing that this is a divisive issue when in poll after poll after poll, it's a incredibly popular issue. It has like 70 percent support. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, like here we have this. I mean, I feel like there's part of it that she hit. It's not just Roe. Yes, it is Roe right now, but it's 
it's the attacks on labor it's the attacks on Roe. it's like it's a concerted effort to completely dismantle and disarm your political opposition that 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 this court is going through with like i mean i right. mean they're and just I, doing it in a slow motion type of way absolutely and i think her point, I mean, her point there too as well though right is that yes yes and right part of what part of what this comes down to right is i mean we're also, dealing with this now because of decades of inaction right but we're talking about also and talking about back like a, a failure to take seriously like the the des- desire by the right wing right to to re-energize patriarchy and subordinate women in a systemic way and i think that's what you know i mean tracer has been talking about that like like for forever you know and <clears throat> i i think i mean this- we're also seeing it with um i mean like i think we're and that's yeah i mean we're seeing with our politics now like the the patriarchy but the chauvinism and stuff like that i mean like and it's you know i mean we were talking again like before the podcast like just being on on these phone calls we just spent the past year talking about the build back better plan there's no mobilization happening on the on the left right now we've completely demobilized no one's at capacity to get stuff done and like the right wing just spent this whole entire past year just building and gaining and pushing the ball forward from the insurrection that like you know all pretty much all white men you know who who have been arrested from this uh and like look what they're doing like they're running with school board stuff or yeah that's stephen lynch you know an actual fucking nazi yep (laughs) actual nazi uh you know who put like 20 strong men like you know people who are calling themselves strong men you know running for office and getting 45 percent of the vote yeah like well i mean i think and i and i do think that this is why i think it's it's i i i you know when i'm saying i think rebecca tracer's article should be required reading right now it's because i it it she talks about the deep the the structural problem right and the unwillingness to fight around kind of like key issues right when she talks about disrespecting women and people of color and the poor and working people this is that's what she's you know she's getting right into and, I know, you know, democrats don't feel like don't want to lift the fucking hand no and i think that you know we've talked about this i mean as long as we've, we've had this podcast we've talked about you know the democratic party walking away from its working class you know supposed working i mean class i mean groups. it's all about you know, thinking about this stuff, it's all about their own personal brand. And when it comes to doing the work, forget about it. <laughs> like, it's not happening. Like, it's just... That's right. Well, you know, I, I, like, I mean, it's just part of the movement, like, with this and or the Democratic Party mm-hmm. in general. Like, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'm reading, um, I'm reading uh, um, Jane McAlevey's uh, latest book, uh, which is called uh, A Collective Bargain, Unions Organizing and the Fight for Democracy. And, uh, you know, if, if, if you weren't convinced from like by her book, no shortcuts, right. Um, for example, um, that, you know, you need to be reading everything that, that she's reading or her other book, uh, was it raising expectations, uh, and raising hell. Um, this book is just more evidence of that. And she's what's, what's interesting is that she goes through a series of case studies 
of actual organizing at one point. One of them is, um, 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 okay, what is it? Passnap? Passnap, right? Uh, Passnap, it, yes. It's Passnap, the nurses, the nurses union because uh, coming out of Philadelphia and Philadelphia area. Um, but more so, she's t she goes through syst like systematically what actual organizing requires, right? And she's one of the best organizers. You know, I think, you know, people might disagree with, with her take on having building grassroots power, right? Rank and file power from the ground up at democratic unions. Um, you know, those business unions out there. Um, but nonetheless, is that she, she's dead on. And I think that having that kind of long-term perspective about what it's going to take to build power, I think we're going to have to find ways of internalizing that um, in a really direct way that um, this is going to take a long time, right? This is going to take a long time to to really take back the power. And part of that is going to be fights within say the Democratic Party or against the Democratic Party, it's going to be about building kind of counter structures and it's going to be rejecting this kind of like, you know, whatever, you know, election cycle to election cycle kind of short term thinking that is so indebted or embedded in the kind of like kind of liberal to left politics when it comes to electoral politics, at least. Yeah. But, and there's no like concentration on paying attention to like coordinates. Yeah on right. the democratic side like it's just like i mean like democrats don't pay attention to courts or school boards like or or like is... school boards municipalities about kind of thinking like str strategically and structurally right and you know look and i understand it's like look the right wing here's the thing about authoritarianism right and author authoritarians right is like they can be more efficient in terms of their directions right so that you know, you've got these billionaires, right, this huge concentration of wealth on the right, right, that can target a particular thing and just like fund multiple institutions, multiple organizations, and they could all work in the same direction. Right? Like critical race theory. Exactly. Right. I mean, you, you know, pick your issue that the right has yeah. picked up. Right. And, you know, and like, you know, the, the attacks on labor, the attacks against Roe v. Wade. I mean, what we saw, what we saw in, you know, the Supreme Court this past week, I mean, that didn't just happen. I mean, that's that's that started like what, like three weeks after Roe was decided. Right. That's a long term campaign. Right. To, to decades long. Absolutely. Just like the, the attack on. Right. Just like the attack on that's... labor. Right. Exactly. <clears throat> and so it's no, like, I mean, like Weinrich or Weirich back in the 80s when exactly. they don't vote, we win. Yep. <clears throat> exactly. And it's like, you know, what I think that, you know, I did mention that I meant to put this in the show notes, too. But, you know, we just had uh, um, Stacey Abrams, for example, just uh, announced uh, that she's running for governor in, in Georgia again um, as, you know, someone who's been fighting on that question of voting rights. Right. As they you bring up Paul Weyrich. Right. That's the other end of it. Right. You know, the attempt to kind of like roll back voting rights to the point where we saw elections getting kind of like corrupted in a systemic way. Right. Not in this kind of like, you know, you know, the stop the steal nonsense that the Trump folks say, but a really systemic kind of organized fashion. Right. By restricting people's access to the ballot. Right. Um, and that's part of the game. So it's like, you know, I, I, th I think about that in terms of long term organizing. And it's uh, it, on the one hand, it's daunting. But on the other hand, it seems there's a certain bit of clarity about what needs to happen. And. You know, I'm thinking about what's happening in Bucks County, and I'm not going to get into this right now. But I mean, what happened in Bucks County, where you have 
you know, the, on the Democratic side, always kind of searching for these candidates to run against Fitzpatrick, right? Where you know, you, you there's there's not been a systemic effort to kind of build up a foundation of a kind of like organic power within the county. Um, it's really been, you know, about kind of like who's who's going to pull well or who's got, you know, ticks the right boxes when it comes to running against uh, Fitzpatrick in their their algorithms. Right. Without that kind of building a power. And I think that's, you know, that's going to be, you know, that is this is the legacy that we're inheriting right now in the progressive. Not even like with like that with Fitzpatrick. Right. We saw even on a smaller scale with that, like. Bucks campaign that they've put together for the row offices and right. they all got swept. Yep. Like putting out like, oh, we love the police as well. Like as like a counterattack to like de defund the police. Exactly. And it's just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, yep. you know what I mean? It's just like, I mean, it's just, it's all like, there's no, like one, you're responding to a stupid attack and two, you're responding to that attack with their same framework. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. And it's just like, uh, it's just it's it's like that's the type of stuff they were focusing on and just like you're not going to win elections in counties like bucks county when you don't have anything that you can sustain like like there's no, no infrastructure yeah i mean you know i think about like what you look at what happened in cumberland county right and kind of in the last like you look at what like like shanna did shannon danielson did and tara shakespeare right and that the, the whole crew that ran for um, the, the all women, really, that ran for office kind of out in the Harrisburg area. Right. I mean, they were operating by building this from the ground up. Right. And, and I know they did this over a course of, of of a couple different cycles. But, you know, it's relying upon right these individuals. Right. To assert their will to kind of like create this this infrastructure when you know we should be kind of directing our organizations um to actually fund this stuff and right? it's also like this is what happens when you get parties that are more about being a social club right than like a functioning organization right yeah and or when when and i would also say when 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 the primary concern that what you know these like organizations when they're even there when they're getting together and kind of talking about strategy is like the primary concern needs to be power right like it needs to be about sustained building power over time and there's you know on our side on our side of the thing right and i mean the kind of the broad left right there is only one source of that power and that's people and that's organization you know, regardless, I mean, and like I've said before, I've, you know, seen the absolutely amazing organization going on. But, you know, I look at you saw that, you know, people protesting outside the the, uh, um, the Supreme Court, um, you know, I saw a kind of a bunch of interviews and things like this. But I mean, you could feel it and people was just like feeling like we've been betrayed. And, I, you know, again, I go back to Tracer again. It's like, you know, this has been allowed to happen. You know, we, this is when, you, you know, the attention has not been focused, right, on defending kind of fundamental thing. And like, you know, again, now we're all playing catch up, but we're playing catch up in the worst possible way. So it's a lot. I mean, it's a it's a lot to take in, I guess. It's a lot to take in right now. Um, so, yeah, so is that so? I mean, look, we're not going to know. We're not going to know. Uh, I, I think they're suspect they're expecting uh, decisions to come down in kind of uh, March or April, I believe, maybe even May. 
um, which will be uh, uh, we'll see what happens with this. Uh, there's another case that is uh, that is coming up. I, I think I don't be arguing it next week, actually, um, that is going to challenge basically public school funding. Right. I mean, you know, you, you got like a six, three majority of these folks on the court now. And like the right. And then you're going to have Justice Breyer, who's going to pull a Ginsburg. Yeah. And pretty much die when. Like, you know, like die on the bench when there's a Republican in office instead of just resigning right now and then hand over and make it a seven two court. Yep. I mean, <laughs> yep. You know, and and, you know, maybe maybe the Democrats will get lucky to like not have one of those kind of like, you know, like, I don't know, octogenarian senators die like suddenly and lose the majority because they just like have not cultivated, you know, not cultivated like a depth of a bench. Uh, but, you know, we shall see. Anyway, anyways, I don't want to get too far afield on that, but we shall see. I mean, this is uh, I, I, I was the one other thing I want to comment about the about those arguments in the Supreme Court. What is. uh this is one of the benefits of listening to the art, like the arguments. And I think that it's sobering in a different kind of way, because on the one hand, the, the content of the arguments um, that were made by say Kavanaugh or um, uh, Amy Coney Barrett, right. I mean, the, the, just the, the astonishing thing, like Amy Coney Barrett got a lot of attention just by saying like, well, you know, since, you got adoption, right? Really? What's, what's the problem? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, so you, you don't have to be a mother. You just give it up, right? Like, you know, I mean, she wasn't saying it like that, but that was the attention. And then Brett Kavanaugh basically just, just, you know, being the dick that he is. I mean, just like whatever. But what's, what's in, what the difficulty, the struggle is when you heard them make the arguments, right? Even what they were saying and the consequences, the implications of what they were saying were like radical and extreme, they said them in these very kind of polite tones. I mean, and also, like, do you really expect Democrats to do anything when or hold accountability? Like, you know, this week they closed Congress without censuring, like, right. Robert for, right. her, for her Islamophobic, like, rant against Ilan Omar, but that same Democratic leadership yep. ran to censure Omar when she made, like, benign statements about Israel's treatment towards the Palestinians. Right, exactly. People. Like, and Democrats did that. Like, you know, like it, like this is what, this is the party we're dealing with. Like solidarity is not a fucking verb. It's not in like any of their fucking dictionaries from like Steny Hoyer and like this right. old like liberal, like, you know, geriatric wing of the party. Right. These fucking 90 year olds that are still like in power that are responsible for this. I, I, absolutely 100 percent. like i mean yeah when I, I, they they allowed this stuff to go on like bober like is it going to take for a fucking congress person to get killed until they like take it seriously no that's what it, i mean that's what it would take and then even then i mean look we had i mean gabby had, giffords they yeah it still didn't take it seriously right exactly right we just had a freaking insurrection, right? That threatened all of their lives, right? That I mean, they could, there, there could have been someone, but and where are we now? And they're fucking that up, totally, right? I mean, so let, let's, you know, it's so. I mean, I, that, and I say it to have the problem posed, as opposed to kind of saying like, just to lay the critique. I do think that's something that I mean, I'm I mean, thinking almost, a lot about right now. Hmm? 
I don't want to like think about this, but it almost feels like that part of like reading Shock Doctrine, where like we've all just been lobotomized as a year, like as a society for like what's been happening over this past year. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like everything we're experiencing now is just like is normal because of the malaise like you know what i mean well and it's this weird thing and i've talked it's, it's just like there's this malaise no one's well and it's like you know it's it's this there's just been this demobilization on the left or like in the democratic base it's really hard to say though because i i keep i i have this i i start to go in that direction too as well but then i'm looking at all the like the organizing that is going on and if you look at the kind of i mean at the same time as this, you've got like an uptick of labor organizing right you've got like strikes that are happening all that you've got i mean you've got really good organizing that's happening right um but it, it's we're not all on the same page yet <laughs> you know what i mean like i mean what the reason why the strikes are important and this is why jane mcaleavy's book is important too as well is because what we've got to get past, I think, like one of the key things is, is like, in order to get what we want, we're going to have to make things uncomfortable. Right? This is what I was getting at with that Supreme Court case, is that when Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, right, and, and, and the, the whole freaking right-wing crew, they get on there and they speak in like, in like, you know, nice tones or polite language and they do they don't kind of sound like crazies right the the national media especially the dc based media they're killing it with civility right and they they all like oh well look there's rational they're thinking about the argument they're being and civil and it's just like that's like it's like you, you, you just like you just put there's the lobotomy right there civility is the lobotomy and one of the things that that jay mcalevy writes in that book is that no you've got to create disruption you have to create crises. That's what strikes are. The only power that we have, real power, is the strike. And like in the labor movement, but more broadly, the old, we have to withdraw our consent, <laughs> right? And make things uncomfortable, right? And that doesn't mean being assholes to people. It means closing things down. Right. As Rick always says, greatest like, you know, the 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 greatest power of the of a working person is to put their hands in their pocket and say no. <laughs> right. Not going along. Well, I guess you're just a little more hopeful than I am at the moment. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. But I'm just I'm just saying it's like it's like but I, I, I do think that, that that's important. I just feel like there's like just like an apathy or a malaise out there from talking to people like within like the general voter and stuff like that. And then like, great. Yeah. You can talk about all the organizing that's going on with like, you know, small sector, small parts of the movement, but it's like, you know, we have, we have an election in like 11 months. And it's no, just but this like, is what I'm saying. This is, this is this, it, it, the election. Look, I think we're going to lose the midterms. I mean, I think I think the Democrats lose the majority in the midterms. I mean, but it's almost like feel like there's like a four alarm fire and no one's pulling the fire alarm. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, because it's like this, right? It's like for like for 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 everyone's, you know, it is it is that dog in the fire, right? It's for the long for the longest time, like the 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 kind of the organized left, right? The folks that are kind of like that, they've basically. They've been like I think stuck in the civility, right? Particularly the Democratic Party, which you know I mean it's like 
you know, I hate having to kind of like always come back to the Democratic Party, but it's like it is the only freaking party on that even kind of like leans in that direction. Right. And until we get to the point where we could actually build real power, I mean, any idea about just having a third party is freaking fantasy land. So it's just like, how do we kind of build kind of power within that structure? And it's like, like, you know, we don't have somebody with a bullhorn like on the broad left that has the access to the, 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 the wheels of power. I mean, we got freaking Nancy Pelosi talking about pay fors. Right. I mean, that's I mean, seriously. We're talking about how we still need a competent Republican Party. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like <laughs> I, I can't. I heard like three times this week. I heard people being interviewed on MSNBC, and I, 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 I like increasingly can't tolerate MSNBC anymore because of this kind of garbage. It all it is just a fucking. La- it's amazing it's how many like- Bush flunkies have gotten jobs at MSNBC or wow. the past. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the media. Yeah. <laughs> I think here, there's, here's something I've lighten up the mood <laughs> go for it i thought it's great that chris cuomo just got exposed for being a dick Boom! this week <laughs> see this chris week. <laughs> i think he's I, I don't know how honestly like i think he should have been fired uh when the like suspicions like or like the documentation that he was doing something with his brother the fact that he was like doing opposition research and rat fucking yeah. like survivors or and the people complaining, like levying these complaints against Cuomo, uh, Governor Cuomo, uh, you can't have a fucking job after this. Like, it's, <laughs> like you know totally. what I mean? Yep. I mean, if you're imagine being a journalist or a producer there who lives in New York is making about $100,000 a year, which probably isn't that much for them to live like in DC or New York, like getting by with like a local salary. And you got this fucking asshole, right? <laughs> like at the top of the food chain, like doing this stuff. And you're the one that has to take your job seriously. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, there's just no way he uh, gets his, you know, this guy gets his job back at CNN. Yeah, well, you know, he's got like, well, you know, look, I mean, he struggles too as well. His, uh, I just looked this up. His uh, annual salary is about six million dollars a year. Okay, so he's getting about six million dollars, and his net worth is about twelve million dollars. But also, like the fallout from the Cuomo scandal, like it is still just like hitting people, like in the party and all that stuff, and it's just like. Was, I don't know if it was listening to the majority report or something else, but like he really did set up an infrastructure in media and nationally to like grease the wheels for him to run for president. Oh my God. Yeah. Like he had totally. that infrastructure going. <laughs> totally. Like not just in New York, but all around the country. Yep. Like, you know, and well, there goes that. There goes that. Yep. Well, it's crazy. Well, a few other things will go before we go to a break. Uh, of course, we've got the uh, Omicron uh, variant of COVID, which is exploding. Um, and we shall, we shall see. Look, we, you know, it's too early to really know what's going to happen with this. Um, early indications were that the symptoms are more mild. But of course, most of the symptoms that were dis- or most of the cases that were discovered were also were in younger people who tend to have milder. So we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, just, you know, I'm mean, like, what, what's different? Get your freaking vaccines. Wear your damn I'm getting mask. booster tomorrow. Right. Yep. I got my booster. Got my booster already. Um, my my I, heard, I, 
I heard the booster hurts. Did, uh, it didn't bother me at all. Okay. That's what I figured. But my dad did, said well, it well, how was your, uh, how, what, do you have a reaction to your second shot? No. No. See, I had, I got, I got like, my second shot, I got like wiped out. Like I, I, it didn't like there was, you know, I didn't get feel like sick. I just felt I was exhausted. This one, I, I didn't even notice it. I mean, in my arm, I know people who hurt. felt good the first two shots and then wiped them out. Yeah, I had, I had the second one for me was the one wiped me out. This one was like nothing. Yeah, for me. So I mean, it's just the same kind of deal, but just like you know, again, mask up everybody. <laughs> you know, just like. I mean, I really, I really don't want to keep on doing this. And I, and I can tell you this: I've had more students, uh, more students, basically test positive or tell me that you know they test positive. And I'm not saying just making claims. I mean, they show me evidence. I tested positive of of COVID or been exposed to somebody who's been test positive of COVID just in the past two weeks, and I have the entire semester. So, um, yep, things are ramping up. So as expected. Um, so so again, hey, can't wait for Menzinger's show in two weeks. There you go. Good luck. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Just let me know where to send flowers. <laughs> um, yeah, well, they're saying that one of the things that they think was part of spreading it in New York was there was a um, like an anime um, conference, an animation conference there, where um, where at least some of the some of the cases were kind of emerged from. But we'll see. Um, here's one of the things. Okay, just really quick on this one, I just want to say that. Uh, uh, Daily Beast, I'm like, just want to say thank you to Daily Beast for kind of like focusing in and saying this about Steve Bannon, right? Because there's the coverage of Steve Bannon has been driving me nuts because it's still operating from the same framework that somehow we're living in this kind of like normal world of legality and people are rational actors and all this kind of nonsense. Like I've seen so much coverage of Steve Bannon thinking, well, Steve Bannon's in trouble now. And like, oh, what's he going to do? And he's going to have to, he's, he's in a tough spot. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This is like Steve Bannon's sweet spot. Right, he's he's not worried. They, yeah, people I mean, think like, he's people think that he's shaking in his boots when Steve Bannon's like, I've got a freaking platform, <laughs> and like, and he's just gonna be like lighting fires. He's like, we need to kind of burn everything down. He even said it. We like the whole thing is gonna blowing up the whole system, <laughs> right? And so, thank you to the Daily Beast for actually acknowledging that and getting out of people like out of this kind of like, like sense of like oh, people are acting in very rational ways and now he's in trouble because he's been caught he's cornered and now he's gonna have to force to make tough decisions i'm like are you kidding me have you followed anything about this dude at all right i mean it's just like a, like this guy's been around for a decade and we still fucking don't know like <laughs> what, what what his deal I, is it's, it's astonishing like... to me it's astonishing ba like bannon is like I mean, he's like, he is like, he's got the, he knows how to, he knows how to whip people up and he knows how to grift. I mean, that's what the dude is. Yeah. Right. And he believes all that nonsense. Right. So whatever. Anyways, it's good. Um, good news in the international front. Yep. Say Barbados kind of, uh, uh, you know, cut the tether to, uh, uh, to the UK saying, Bye-bye, Queen Elizabeth. We're going to be an independent republic. Uh, we also saw the first uh, female president in Honduras, uh, Chiomara Castro. Um, also kind of a cool um, little thing to be happening this week to remind us that there's uh, things happening outside of our little freaking country. So um, pretty cool. Time for another coup sponsored by the Democrats. Another coup? Oh, no, we're talking about um, Honduras, right? Wasn't it like a uh, – wasn't it what – Honduran coup wasn't that military oh, was coup? coup? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 20, uh, 2009. Yeah, wasn't that back? 
by the CIA and like Obama's people. Never. At the time. Sean. <laughs> the United I mean, States like... <laughs> does not get involved with like, you know, well, South American we, politics. We respect. <laughs> totally. There's no history of that at all. We respect democracies, Sean. <laughs> but no, I mean, like, um, like, this was one of the things that like led to yep. one of our immigration crises. Yes, the past it is. Decade. Exactly. On destabilizing these governments. Exactly. <laughs> 100%. Right. You see how we do that? We go on, we completely fuck up a country and then we kind of turn around and say, Oh, now we got to build the wall because all these people that are like are left over from that. Yeah. It's all that like, so whatever. Um, but you know, it's good to see, uh, to see that. We'll see what happens next. We'll see what happens next. Uh, I got to talk to Cyril about that too, as well. Get his perspective on that. Cause he's like, he, he knows that region really, really well, but cool. Uh, anything else going on nationally that you want to focus on? Um, not really. Uh, I guess in some good news, light news, uh, congrats to the plumber at Joel Olstein's church who yep. was working on a toilet and found 500 envelopes of cash <laughs> fell out of the wall. That's <laughs> it's, it's, it's God. That's God. That is, right that is like, um, that is some like, uh, drug dealer or Ozark type stuff. <laughs> Fucking, fucking find money in the walls. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Gotta watch it somehow. When, when's that next season coming up? Do you have any idea? Oh yeah, um, season four or five four, is coming four, out. Four, I think. January. In January. Yes, next month. I was like so excited. I saw like a, a note on that too as well. But that was like, uh, that's, yes, that's a freaking wait. great show. Yeah. I have to watch. I went to rewatch season three to catch up. Oh, that's a good idea. Thank you for giving me that idea. <laughs> Let me give you something to do. All right. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. I remind you, you can help out support this show by going to patreon.com slash RC Press today. We're going to be right back with this week's, you know, PA focused. We'll be right back after this quick break. If I can get this little new soundboard to work, we shall see. Look at that. It's not even playing. Here we go. Hello. Are you going to play music? It's not playing music. Sound could not be played. Anyways, we're going to go like this, and I'm just going to do it manually, and uh, we will be back right after this quick I'm Rick Smith, and this is Labor History in Two. On this day in labor history, the year was 1946. That was the day a general strike erupted in Oakland, California. Workers, mostly women, had been on strike for a month at two downtown department stores. Teamsters honored their picket lines and refused to make deliveries. Infuriated owners of Hastings and Cons demanded their merchandise and turned to the city for help. And on this day, police assembled early in the morning to clear the streets of picketers. They attacked strikers, forcing them off the street and setting up a perimeter of machine guns to escort scab delivery trucks through the line. One striker recalled, I was black and blue for six months from their clubs. Outraged truck drivers, bus drivers, and streetcar operators all stopped, got out of their vehicles, and joined the strikers, quickly filling downtown Oakland. By the end of the day, the city was completely shut down. 
142 AFL unions called for a labor holiday in support of the strikers, and now 130,000 workers were on strike in solidarity. UAW member Stan Weir recalled that it was the bus drivers, many just returned from the war, who led the strike. The streets that night had a carnival-like atmosphere. War vets led a march to City Hall to demand the resignation of the mayor and city council for their attempts to break the strike. The general strike quickly forced the administration to stop the scab herding. But local labor leaders were divided over what some considered a near insurrection and called the strike off 54 hours later. The retail workers were left to fight on their own for another five months. But for a few days, workers got a taste of their own power. Labor History in Two brought to you by the Illinois Labor History Society and The Rick Smith Show. For more information, go to laborhistoryin2.com. Yeah, I got to love the technical problems here. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. My uh, When I lost my soundboard, uh, when they stopped, discontinued that app or whatever like this, I haven't been able to find a good replacement. So anyway, sorry about that, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken, here once again with the one, the only, Sean Kitchen. So, Sean, uh, not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> nope. Nope. <laughs> Had to throw the, the Wizard of Oz pun in there with Dr. Oz. Um Announcing his run for U.S. Senate. I mean, you know, I think it's really, you know, uh, well, it's just going to be a crazy fucking Senate and Republican primary next year. Um, I think, I don't know if we were on when the last time we talked, but uh, Sean Parnell was no longer running for Senate. Right. I think that changed since the last time we were we were on. I'm not sure. It was on the, on the verge of uh, change. It was like when uh, it looked like it looked like all the the pressure was coming down. Uh, yeah, yeah. So Parnell's gone. Uh, in the wake of that, we have Dr. Oz who's running, um, and we have um, this guy David McCormick, who is another. Uh, you know, he's from Connecticut. He runs a bridge a capital venture or a venture capital firm. So fun, fun times. <laughs> fun times. Well, do, so do you think, I mean, okay. So you said, I mean, you were saying here that you think that he's going to become the front runner, front, front runner in the race. Yeah. So he's positioning himself with people like David Urban and David Urban is one of Trump's top people here in Pennsylvania. So I would expect, um, McCormick to get uh, Trump's endorsement simply because of, uh, you know, because one, I think he has previous, I think he's a donor, but also um, his connections to David Urban, who is Trump's top person in Pennsylvania. So does he have, does he have any roots at all in Pennsylvania or is he just, I think so. I think he's grew up uh, from Pennsylvania, grew up in Pennsylvania. Um, I think he's more of like a well-connected, um like brought up in a wealthy type family situation so so what do you make of what do you make of dr oz getting in do you think that was like like some sectors of the republican party freaking out worrying that they didn't have a candidate no or? i think it's just i think it's a vanity campaign yeah it just seems it seems like he's 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 completely unskilled i saw him he did a couple of interviews about running for this and he couldn't like basically say anything about pennsylvania Right? Yeah. It's like he just used these kind of broad thing. Well, we all got to get, a, you know, get a, got to work. There's that place together. called Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. It's like, Jesus. I'm like, holy cow. 
It's like as a, like a TV personality, I thought he would have been a, had a, like a little bit of a better shtick ready for him. But it seems like he just uh, kind of walked on this and thought he could just wing it. That's what it seemed like. Yeah, I think it's I, I don't have much faith in his thing. So, so McCormick, yeah, I think Dr. McCormick, you think is going to be it? Yeah, I think McCormick's going to be the person they're going to pick to be the nominee. Uh, you know, you have Carla Sands who's running. She's from California. Um, she was the ambassador, I think, to like Denmark or something like that. Um, she was another big Trump financier out on the West Coast who has family here in Pennsylvania. Um, but I think I think it's going to be McCormick. I think they're going to pick him uh, because it's his, his connections with uh, David Urban, who is a really who's a legitimate power player in like Trump's orbit here in the state. So. That's what I'm thinking. We shall see. We shall see. It's going to be. I really mean, Trump loves picking winners. Yeah, he does. Right. He's got <laughs> like uh, a track record of what? Well, actually, actually, if you if you count the uh, the races that he's taken credit for after the fact, I think he's won everything. <laughs> oh, so I got a fun story about Bucks County that we have to talk about. Once we oh, get do tell. Go ahead. Um, did you see the follow up article about uh, Martino and the 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 inquiry did this week they ran another story on i didn't know if you caught it with your grade i think i did they ran another yeah so like they they ran another story um apparently like 27 of the democrats he supported he was telling that he supported were actually registered republicans who won through cross-filing yeah right exactly that's what yeah 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 well no no like he was there like they were claiming like, uh, well, I'm sure people knew about this locally, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, but what's been reported was he supported X amount of Democrats and a bunch of Republicans. Right. He said 40 percent, 40 percent of the candidates were, were Democrats, which was just bullshit. And no one's really picked up on that until this week. Yep. Uh, you know, I think Philly.com, the Inquirer, they did more digging into it. And here, like 27 of the Democrats, they all support it were cross-filed so they pretty much like they ran on both tickets yep um so there's that i didn't know if you caught that gotta love uh, that yeah yeah yeah. no exactly I'm going into our bucks county stuff yeah it's like so it's it's i mean you go like he's gonna have a huge he's gonna have an absolutely huge i mean it's influence. all pr fucking spin that's all it is just like you're running your own numbers yep like we support x amount democrats no you didn't like and the democrats actually did get support we're in harrisburg who were going to win anyway and had no opposition. No, and I'm glad that article, I'm glad it made it out to like, a, you know, again, it was a great thing about having the Inquirers. It makes it out to kind of a bigger audience. So you can actually get to see some of the stuff taken down, which is exactly what should be happening in journalism for this stuff. Because you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, he's coming out there and that's what he said in the New York Times interview. He basically said, look, I don't know what people are saying that it's a Republican or a Democrat. It's like our thing was one thing, reopen schools, blah, blah, blah. And we know that's not the case. And actually, this is what, you know, I mentioned before, we're going to have uh, uh, Dina Lagerman on the show. She ran for uh, Central Buck School District. She's also a writer. She's a teacher. Um, and she wrote this great piece for breaking down some of the things that had happened. And like Mar- Martino's own narrative about how he got involved, when he got involved and what he did, what he told the New York Times is like she just basically lays that, to sh- you know, lays that on. It's a, a fucking bootstrap story. Totally. Like, it's just like the American, like, absolutely, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, like, type of thing. And just like right. this I, narrative, this right. myth. 
and that's what he's doing. He's crafting the, he's crafting a timeline, crafting a narrative, and the timeline and the narrative is wrong. So I can't wait to be talking to her on the show on uh, on the 13th, the Monday the 13th on Out to Coop Live um, to break that open a little bit. So one of the things that's also interesting with a lot of, you're finding this happening in, in more and more school districts now. Um, this is not just in Bucks County. It's across the state in Pennsylvania. We highlighted, I think, on the show, uh, the last one we did before Thanksgiving about the um, – what's uh, the, the lawsuit that's going forward about the kind of underfunding of schools in Pennsylvania. Um, what there's the second uh, article that dropped, or I should say the article that just dropped the New York times. Uh, that's a kind of like a follow-up to that two part podcast basically kind of like goes, is kind of expands on those interviews uh, that uh, I think his guy's name is Campbell did for uh, the podcast and talk about what was actually happening in those schools and what, what, lays bare in that article too is that you know what you're finding in school districts everywhere is that you've got a kind of systemic kind of long-term underfunding and then in the wake of covid you're finding that there's inadequate staffing right there's overcrowded classrooms right that resources have been continued to have been cut even in a kind of pretty wealthy district like uh like like uh cb west or, or i'm sorry central bucks um we should always be kind of cautious about talking about central bucks too as well as just kind of like a wealthy district because it is true that doylestown is a more wealthy and there's wealthy areas but there's it's not entirely that right so you should be clear about that it's not like 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 upper milford or something lower milford i mean that whole area of like central bucks i mean you still have cookie cutter tall house suburbs yeah like ranchers yep 100 percent and like lots, in Warminster and, right. and Warrington and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's so I mean, I think that while it's true, yes, it has it is a it has been historically a well-funded um, kind of district and has kind of some higher kind of average income. Um, it's not all of that. And so they've also been experiencing the same kind of long term cuts in school districts that you see, you know, um, every other place, too, as well. And you also find that, you know, in the aftermath of COVID, I mean, they talk about kind of like, you know, um, like understaffed kind of uh, uh, custodial um, uh, custodial workers, not only having to kind of deal with everything that, you, you know, about COVID and the precautions for COVID and cleaning and all that stuff. But then you have, you know, these like, you know, that TikTok challenge that went crazy where, you know, you had students that were going into schools and just destroying the bathrooms, right? Kind of like literally like dismantling toilets, ripping them off the walls. And that was happening in Central Bucks, right? And so that's something kind of like in additional stuff. And so people are at their breaking point, right? They're worn out. Um, and so what was cool about that article is basically saying, you know, look, while the school board is like, you know, these, you have these, you know, right wing folks talking about critical race theory, and now they're going after social and emotional learning because, you know, mental health should be taught at home, not in school, that kind of nonsense. Or they're going after curriculums, like right. the books, right. like it, what books your students or our kids are reading. Exactly. They're going after all that. And meanwhile, like teachers are strapped the staff are strapped right and that's having a direct impact on the students. so it's like you know even exposing that you know this whole the, the idea that they care about the students it's just a nonsense because the students are having like is negative impact and while the parents go to these school boards and say we're worried about our kids mental health because you're asking them to wear a mask right what the teachers are saying and the staff are saying and the nurses are saying in the schools is that COVID, right, and these kind of like stress on resources and the things that are going on is having, there's, there are mental health impacts on these kids. And now they're being threatened with re removing, right, uh, you know, the necessary resources for even kind of dealing with that in the classroom. 
So it's a really good article to check that out because, I mean, this is going to be an ongoing issue. And it's going to be an interesting one to see. I mean, interesting. That's kind of probably the most bland word I could possibly use here to see what happens in the Penridge School District. Right. What happens in the Palisades School District um, that has been, you know, is going to be completely dominated um, by these kind of far right characters. We just had a thing. This I was kind of like I was, you know, whatever, bothering Sean this morning because, uh, right, for example, you have um, um Turning Point USA, as you know, Cyril has reported upon in uh, the Bucks County Courier, Courier Times, you know, they've got chapters in the Penridge School District, right? And they just started to kind of release their big media campaign on uh, Instagram, basically announcing that they've had all of their flyers approved um, to put up all throughout the halls of the high school in Penridge, right? Um, you know, and they're, they've, they're well-funded, Right. And the one of the I think it's the son or something like this of one of the uh, uh, one of the school board members is also, you know, connected, uh, you know, is one of the leaders of the TPUSA. And of course, this is being funded by these kind of national right wing kind of organizations that have ties to white supremacists and all this nonsense. Right. So we're going to see this play out in our school districts now for the next like several kind of years. Um, and that's, you know, again, more called organizing. So. We shall see. Um, <clears throat> and then in the good old PA1, uh, you also got Brian Fitzpatrick is getting primaried from his right. Uh, yep, just once again, right here in the Penridge School District, right? Right here in Brixie, <laughs> Bradley Lanning, right, is announcing that. Sounds white. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, it's America First Party, Sean. America, And he's <laughs> saying he's not a Trumper. He's an American firster. It sounds pretty white. <laughs> sounds pretty white. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh i i don't know i i know very little about this guy i've seen i've looked for interviews um but we shall see and then um uh see if i can do a quick facebook search yeah i mean i did you know looked around those things and you know it's what you'd expect and then caroline avery of bristol um she apparently was a horse trainer um and is deeply kind of uh in the trump camp so like when you were reading her quote um you know i was imagining it with like a philly kenzo like northeast philly accent just like and you really i mean just like you don't have like a really good accent that matches the area. <laughs> like that, that's what I'm just like thinking when I hear like this woman speaking because Bristol is not that great of an area. Uh, for those of you who don't know Bucks County yeah. that well, like Bristol and the Chamonix, like that whole, or Croydon and stuff like that. Like, you know, it's a harder working class like part. And I could totally see her having, you know, a thick Northeast Philly working class, uh, working class accent. I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's like lifelong crystal resident. We shall see. It's going to be really interesting. Um, and I, I, I really have no idea, like without actually seeing these folks um, uh, kind of out there kind of acting quite yet, it's really hard to say whether or not they're going to have any impact with Brian, Brian Fitzpatrick. But, you know, as crazy as things have been throughout this district, you never know. I mean, Fitzpatrick has got deep, deep pockets, um, right? And he's he's connected to a he's got his little machine going. Um, but you know, look, like this is this woman, Caroline Avery. This is what she says: says Brian, of course, calls him Brian, right? Brian hasn't done a good job of representing us the last few years. She said, 
In fact, he's he seems to be completely forgotten that he's supposed to represent us at all. Not so amazingly, Brian has joined 12 other turncoat Republicans to give Nancy Pelosi, the radical leftist leader of the House Democrats, a win she couldn't get from her other House members. He voted with the radical Democrats to pass President Joe Biden's wildly inflationary $1.2 trillion budget, bust, uh, bu- budget busting so-called infrastructure bill. Is that the kind of thing that we elected Brian to do? Right. That's going to be her tact. Yeah. So we shall see. And, you know, again, on the Democratic side, right right now, we've got uh, Ashley Ahas and Paul Fermo are going to be running um, in that. They're both kind of military veterans. Um, they're both folks who have, uh, you know, not haven't had kind of super deep roots in um, kind of organizing. But are look, they're on the ground. At least Ashley Ahas, especially I've seen her on the ground quite a bit. Um, kind of organizing with folks, door knocking and that kind of stuff. But we shall see how this plays itself out. It's going to be an interesting one um, nonetheless. So pretty crazy. Anything else going around the state? Do you want to uh, nothing, nothing too much. Um, we got some, I mean, it's just been pretty much dead. Uh, legislature is coming back on the 13th. So got about a week and a half for that. Um, Commonwealth court cases coming up in a couple of weeks. Uh, versus Chris Dush, the Senate Republicans hired their 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 firm out of like Oregon or Iowa or some shit like that, Idaho, uh, to handle the the the, the, the subpoenas. So that'll be fun. Know. I mean, it just it's it's it, it, you know there's gonna be no you know the you know who the fucking winner in this is the firm that they hired. Because we're going to get a fat fucking check from the state for a bunch of nonsense. Totally. Totally. (laughs) Well, one of the... (laughs) Like... Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. I I mean, just like... I mean, that's that's the winner in this. The the grifter. (laughs) Yep. They're like, you want to pay me for that? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'll take the money. (laughs) We'll do that. Exactly. I'll take your money. Uh, we also did have, I think it was this past week, right, where uh, Wolf actually vetoed the uh, the, the universal concealed carry um, <clears throat> legislation yes, that went through. Yes, that, that got vetoed, um, you know, no, which was like a no-brainer. But, I mean, once again, you have these bills that Republicans are passing, you know, and then they, you know, continue their racist attacks on, like, Philadelphia um, because – of, of the crime that's happening in Philly. Uh, oh, I thought you meant, when you said because, I thought you were saying because they're racists. Because <laughs> Yeah, no, no. I mean, also because they're racist. No, right, right, but like, right, they're, yeah. using, they're using the crime in Philly, like gun crime. And it's just like, you're the one putting this legislation together. You're making it harder to go after straw purchases. You know, like, your con- permitless concealed carry, like what anyone can carry. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like it's basically we, a version of what they just passed in Ohio. I mean, they just passed yeah. a, that, you know, anybody over 18 have at it. No yeah, background like, checks. No, just, just go, go, go get it. It's like next, no to, the, next to the gum at the checkout center. Right. Checkout counter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, put me in the fucking vending machine at this point. Like, yeah, but no, I mean, that's pretty much it. Well, there you have it. Well, listen, I'm not going to go to a break right now. We're just going to go right into the last call because I have a little technical thing with this uh, soundboard. So uh, 
On today's last call, I just got a kind of few kind of fun things to talk about. Um, I, I came across this. Have you ever heard of mushroom leather, Sean? No, I have not. It is freaking fascinating. I, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole on it, I admit. Uh, but there was an article published in The Guardian about it. Um, and it's uh, – it's uh, what the heck is it called? It's um, – let me just pull it up. It's the, the mycelium, right? Which is the you know this kind of like dense pack stuff or kind of like out of which kind of um, mushrooms grow right? It's this kind of stuff that holds together the this kind of fungi that kind of holds together the ground and everything all over the place. Anyways, it's actually being called like a uh, uh, a game changer when it comes to sustainable clothing. Of course, in addition, it's vegan. Um, you have it that, but I just was like fascinated by this, and I and I started thinking about a couple things. Right, I started thinking about. You know, um, you're, they're coming up with this fabric, and apparently it feels like calf skin, right? A really kind of like soft leather, right? That they're able to kind of um, make this stuff in. And of course, like everything, of course, they have to start at the high end of stuff. They start producing these like, you know, purses and things like this for like luxury branding and stuff. But it just got me thinking about this kind of sustainable. If we start really thinking about like a post-fossil fuel world, we started thinking about stuff, you, the, 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 the amount of materials that have not been explored that are far more sustainable. I mean, they're basically, they're not going out mining this stuff like from the ground. They're actually growing. I mean, hemp and paper. Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, just like. I mean, we made that illegal. I know, right? In the country for so many years just because of uh, paper publishers. Exactly, exactly. And so, I mean, you, you see stuff like this, and I, I thought it was just absolutely fa like like fascinating that they're growing this stuff in trays, like big trays, right? And it grows like crazy, right? And then they're turning it into actually products. So that means like you don't need vinyl, you don't need leather, <laughs> right? You could use this. Now, I'm not saying this is like the end to everything, right? That this one thing, but I just it got me thinking about that too as well. It's like what kind of explore like exploration and thinking about alternative materials have we not even touched because we've been so wedded and embedded in this kind of fossil fuel infrastructure. So I just thought it was a really interesting thing to come out. And it, you know, like the guardian focused on it. There was a couple of articles that came out in part because there's a, um, a company in um, I think it's in uh, California that's come out with one. And then there's a place in um, Oxfordshire in the UK that's kind of working with this stuff. So just kind of fascinating stuff. So, um, I put a link in there if people want to check it out. It's just kind of like, you know, a fun little piece, one of these things to kind of think about. Imagine that having a mushroom purse, um, a mushroom wallet, or whatever it might be. Pretty cool. Um, just don't lick it. Just kidding. <laughs> um, another stuff, I started watching the Wheel of Time um, uh, show. It's, it's, it's really interesting. If you heard uh, a couple weeks back... Um, I had um, Gwendolyn Marshall on the show and we talked about our kind of, you know, the D&D &D stuff. Um, and, um, you know, she's a philosophy professor and co-founder of um, um, Arcanist Press um, and uh, looked at this kind of alternative race in, in alternative to race in D&D uh, &D, uh, book. It was really good. Anyways, we were talking about that. We got talking about the Wheel of Time in the second prep. And uh We'll see where it goes, but it's actually it's kind of it seems like it has the potential to be a really kind of cool show. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for something to watch, do check it out. And then last night I got a chance to watch the first episode of the latest, the newest season of Star Trek Discovery. And I got to say, it's my it's of all the seasons thus far. It was my favorite kind of first episode out of the block. Um, it looks like it's going to be great. Um, very, very excited about that. And then I'll be checking out Foundation on Apple Plus um, 
which is, like I said, at the top of the show, uh, one of our listeners, Chris, said, hey, yeah, did you, did you know that that comes out of uh, Isaac Asimov's Classic Foundation series? And I'm like, duh, of course. That's great. So we checking that out, too, as well. Uh, but love to hear what other people are watching. Love to hear what other folks are kind of, uh, kind of listening to these days. And, uh, you know, we shall see. So what, what do we got going on this weekend, Sean? Um, well, I'm getting my booster tomorrow. Nice. So I got mine. I got mine over uh, over break. Um, parents are coming up for going to a craft fair in Harrisburg today, so we're gonna grab lunch in a bit. Um, nothing too much. Uh, just been I've been dabbling with some new music lately, so that's been fun. Oh, do tell. Uh like diving into like Joy Division. Oh, that's like fun, fun stuff like that. Go back to my era. Uh, Joy Division, The Cure, um, New Order. Okay, have you listened to Bauhaus yet? No, I have not. Dude, gotta listen to Bauhaus. Do okay. yourself a favor. The sky's gone out. Freaking amazing. But uh, it's actually been pretty. Like I've listened to Joy Division like in the past, but like actually, I'm actually surprised I didn't listen to them like while I was in college. Like when I was listening to like that type of stuff, dude, uh, I was more... listening to that when I was in college. <laughs> <laughs> more experimental, like the more experimental stuff, but it's also been pretty interesting. Like hearing, like you can pick up the like what what bands are influenced by those albums and stuff like that. Well, Amy says, uh, "Yes, baby, Joy Division." <laughs> in the comments, just now. <laughs> yeah, I'm about... with you, Amy. <laughs> but um, even like listening to like what the band did after. Uh, the singer, you know, passed away. Uh, New Order. Yeah. Like their stuff is like, I never realized like they, they were big, but yeah. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, New Order, that was like, that was all my era. Like, you know, that was all we were but like, okay. But like, that's the type of stuff like you didn't hear about, like, even like growing up, like you never heard that shit played on the radio. Like, you know what I mean? I did. <laughs> well i didn't okay WACL, hamilton, hamilton college radio that's what uh yeah like but that stuff wasn't being played on like 1029 or like more nah. of your rock stations and stuff like that like yep. so it's been fun digging into that stuff yeah amy also said kmfdm lol <laughs> you gotta check them out. oh i'm sure like philly's uh other place but all right that was back. I say that was back when college radio. That was back when college radio had had really good stuff that was on. So uh, check it out. But yeah, definitely check out Bauhaus. Anyways, everybody, uh, that's what we got for this week. Uh, and uh, sorry for a little technical craziness. I'm still trying to kind of get this uh, soundboard issue worked out. So, anyways, listen. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for dropping by, everybody. Um, we got some great shows coming up. I'll let you know what's happening on Monday. Um, two weeks. Remember, we got uh, Dina Lagerman. Uh, she'll be on to talk about her piece. Um, Central Bucks is not okay, <laughs> right? Okay. Anyways, this is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. Let's hope the outro music actually works here. Uh, hey, look, there it is. It's playing. That's fantastic. This is Kevin Mahoney, editor and founder of Raging Chicken. On behalf of myself and the infamous Sean Kitchen, we'll be seeing you next week. Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe. Keep up the fight. See ya!